You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back, folks, another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Uh, Steamrolling towards the spring game just over a week away now. Uh, And visitors making their way to campus, camp season, in full tilt, joining me to reflect upon some of the hottest news items in the world of Michigan football recruiting. It's the best crew in the land, starting off first with my guy, Bryce Marich. How are you, Bryce? Doing good. How are you doing? Doing great. And, of course, Steve Lorenz, my man. Fellas, uh, before we dive in, uh, boy, I, I don't know what your bracket looks like by the time this podcast hits the the Michigan-Villanova game will have been played. I'm just curious, did either of you have Michigan in the Sweet 16? So I did because Rick Barnes. Okay. I always bet against Rick Barnes in the NCAA tournament. That literally the only, you know, it was one of those things where it's like Tennessee looked like it'd be a bad draw. They won like, what, 13 of their last 14 games heading in or whatever. All I saw was, hey, Michigan might get Rick Barnes in the second round. <laughs> and I went back and found, I had like 10 tweets over the years of me just ripping on Rick Barnes and always betting against him in the tournament. So uh, to stay on brand, uh, I did choose Michigan in the Sweet 16, but I do have Villanova moving on tonight. Mm. So All right. Well, I did not pick Michigan to beat Tennessee because I ignored the Rick Barnes factor and looked at how they had been playing over the last five, six weeks where they're the hottest team in the SEC. Little did I know the SEC seemed to be wildly overrated and that Michigan would finally put together back-to-back good performances for the first time in months. And so they got it done, and they're in the Sweet 16. And, Bryce, did you have the Wolverines this far? I I did not. My bracket's a, it's a hot mess. I had Iowa and Kentucky in the final. So that just comes, you know, that just shows you what I know about basketball. But yeah, man, we are. You know, I, I didn't listen to the, the Iowa. I got hoodwinks. Yeah, I got hoodwinks. The Fran McCaffrey thing got me, too. All right, let's get on to some football recruiting. And so let's start off first with the the surprise visitor that made his way to campus uh, this week. Steve, we'll work our way from there. And I'm going to try to get his name correct. Okanlola, the five-star offensive tackle out of Massachusetts. Okanlola, is that how you say his name? Samson Okanlola, yep. So he hit up. He was there on Monday. And uh, funny, not a funny story, but this happens every once in a while. Uh, had been planning on heading to East Lansing to visit Michigan State. I believe he still ended up visiting Michigan State, uh, but did stop in Ann Arbor, sort of made a pit stop on the way in to Ann Arbor, which, you know, at first glance might not sound like the greatest thing is if he was heading to East Lansing originally. I get the impression that Michigan was more impressive than Michigan State on the visit. Um, you know, I, we were talking a little bit before we record. I remember Patrick Kugler. Uh, it was the same way Michigan eventually got Patrick Kugler. Uh, was he's going to visit Michigan State and then decide to stop in Ann Arbor? Uh, Michigan, oh yeah, hosted him all. He was there all day Monday. Uh, didn't they didn't practice, but he did get to do some film room type stuff. Got to see the business school. Got to drive around campus. You know, I think Michigan at this point, uh, you know, have put themselves in, have built a good foundation. I guess is the best way to put it. This is a kid who's got forty plus offers. He's a five-star, like Sam said. Uh, he's got everybody after him. Ohio State's heavy after him. Notre Dame's heavy after him. Uh, Miami, Oklahoma, or a couple other schools. 
that he's mentioned that that are really heavy after him as well. So um, I think he's the plan is for him to take a few official visits in during the June period. And then I think he wants to save a couple for the fall, uh, not a kid who's in any hurry. So given that, I think Michigan at least put themselves in a strong uh, part of the conversation to get one of those five official visits. So, you know, we know Sharon Moore has been an ace recruiter for Michigan every cycle. I think people have been a little too impatient with where things are out of the offensive line because most of the guys they're really going heavy after right now are like that level, those top 100 five-star type guys. You know, a lot of guys who I think are probably going to be taking their time, uh, you know, guys that Michigan will have more opportunities to impress. So, yeah, really more, not much more you can ask for for a kid who maybe wasn't even originally going to see Ann Arbor on the way in, right? I mean, you can't do much better than that. And, uh, yeah, probably not the last time you're going to be hearing about him, that's for sure. And, but I think this is – I think this has to be or should be strategy. I, it, more so, or at least, I mean, maybe you got to make a strategy with Michigan State now too because they are, they seem to be upping the recruiting ante, so to speak. But it was always conspicuous to me that when a kid was saying – a big-time kid was saying he's going to visit Notre Dame, he was going to visit Ohio State, and he was from out of region. Man, I'm if, if I'm Michigan – I'm trying to jack that. I'm trying to jack some of that time and make sure that he makes his way to Ann Arbor too. Can you get him to detour? Let me keep track of who's visiting there and see if you can get a, a pit stop, which is admittedly what happened here. The kid said I was on my way to Michigan State anyway, so why not stop at Michigan? And I'm with you, Steve, again, just looking at the outtakes. Sort of feels like you know Michigan, as far as impressions go, Maybe they made more a little bit more of a favorable impression uh, in the uh, in the two stops there, and of course I'll always take my I'll always take my chances when it comes to Sharon. I mean, Sharon from a ability to connect perspective, and then to see him hands on coaching. I mean, I think that's a big deal too, Bryce. That you know you see him in his in his element, see him do his thing, and that's been one of the things that stuck out to me talking to guys out of spring practice. Say, man, he is one of the one of the guys in practice who you hear and feel the most that has to play well with recruits as well. Yeah. And I, you know, what else probably plays well with recruits, especially offensive linemen is when you walk in the building, you see the Joe Moore award just standing there right in front of you, you know? So in one year he can show not only can he recruit, he can coach and he's pretty good at it. And so I think, you know, of Samson, the other thing to factor into of him and his recruitment, this is a guy they offered a year ago but they actually were recruiting his older brother at one point as well. So they're familiar with the family. The family is familiar with Michigan. Um, this is a kid that, you know, they have kind of somewhat connections, ties to, especially recruiting the Northeast so much over the years. I think that helps Michigan as well. And like Steven, you said, just getting him up simply on campus, that's always a check in the right direction for any program, you know? So for him to make that pit stop and then to see you know Sharon Moore see the trophy see what they've done and see future off offensive linemen being NFL picks that's gonna be very appealing for a guy who's 6'6 300 pounds he's got offers from everyone but at the same time Michigan's now starting to become like O-line you with Sharon Moore so I think that has to be very appealing for him yeah we'll see how it goes see if Michigan can uh, you know get some traction in that recruitment based on this visit, I want to stick with the offensive line theme. Uh, and I mentioned that camp season is officially upon us. I know you made your way down to Columbus for the Under Armour camp. 
and the buzz coming out of there. You were there, as was Alan True. The buzz coming out of there is a longtime guy on Michigan's board, Amir Herring out of West Bloomfield, was a standout performer. And it's sort of interesting to take the temperature of his recruitment right now. It seemed at one point, Bryce, that things were trending towards an early Michigan decision. Then they cooled off significantly, and you wonder if he strings together more performances like the one you just saw, if that might heat things back up again. Yeah, so, you know, I went down for the Under Armour um, Regional Camp in Columbus, Ohio, this past weekend, and I was, you know, mayor of 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst, Alan True, and we watched the one-on-one, Sam, pretty closely. And by far the top performer of the camp and just not even at the offensive line position, but just in general was Amir Herring. I mean, at 6'3", 280, he's going to be an interior guy, but he's got the ability, in my opinion, too, to play center. And I think for Michigan, that's something I think they're going to consider. I'm not saying that's where they're going to recruit him at. I think right now it's primary guard, but at the same time, you know, I looked at Allen and I said, this is a guy that, you know, he's just like, this is a guy you have to take, you know, he's that good. He's that impressive. And in the two years I've been to this regional camp, one with few last year, then this year, he hasn't lost rep and one-on-ones. I mean, this guy is a physically dominating player, super nice off the field, but physically dominating. He's a high academic student. He comes from a school that Michigan's very familiar with Ron Bellamy. And they have a command, one of his teammates, Samaj Morgan, He's been to campus several times, recently was there for a spring practice. So all the stars online, he's even related to Lawrence Marshall, who's a former player at Michigan. So this seems like a layup. But at the same time, there are, I think, some concerns that maybe Michigan's not pushing as hard. I don't know if that could be due to maybe height, due to maybe they like other guys on their board, whatever the case may be. I I think at the end of the day, you got to go full court press for Amir Herring. I think he's that good of a talent, that good of a player, and he backed it up this past weekend. So this is this is my take, Steve, and I'm I'm curious if you if you agree with this. I think that this is a classic example of of Michigan going hard in the paint in the early going. So like it was very very clear early on that Amir Herring was. Clearly, on a very narrow board, the bo- before the board was like long, like he was a guy. They identified him as a guy early, uh, and he, like a lot of guys do, wanted to really experience the recruiting process, get out and you know see what's out there, build the offer list up. And while he was doing that, now the board starts to build out. They start to look at other guys, and while it's not the case that Amir Herring is not uh, a you know not a target anymore, he is. Suddenly, the amount of attention that was directed almost exclusively at him, or more narrowly at him and a few other guys, now they're looking at twenty guys. Now you're recruiting an entire board of guys, and so you know the attention is diluted. It almost feels like to me that in order to in order to move back to a point of standing out in a much bigger crowd that they almost need to see him again. Like it almost needs to be one of those deals where uh, this camp that they're going to have a video of that maybe that camp will 
oh, oh, heat things back up or other camps like it or making it back to, to Michigan's camp where they see him again, which is coming up very soon. I feel like that might be the key to, to sparking it back up because that, that's what I think happened. I think it was, hey, man, as he, he went through the recruiting process, which is totally fine and totally his prerogative, uh, they started building out their board. Now they're looking in a million different directions, including at at Amir Herring and, and sort of surveying the areas as, as a, a wide area as opposed to surveying a narrow one. Yeah, and again, I don't, there's nothing wrong on either side of that coin, right? You know, he wants to experience the process. You're Michigan, Joe Moore Award. You've put out how many guys in the pros the last three or four seasons? I think Michigan has, has a right to be picky, to expand their board, to, to make sure that they're going after what they think are the cream of the crop, right? So I think it's a situation where uh, neither side's doing anything malicious or doing anything wrong. Uh, I think it's just more about uh, each, each, each side of the coin feeling, each, feeling their own situation out and kind of moving from there. Uh, by that same token, I think, you know, you don't, this is one like Bryce, you watch him live. He was that impressive. Uh, one that you you know maybe Michigan shouldn't let slip away either though you know if it right in the backyard I think we all have crystal balls in for him right and had and had them in a long time ago uh, you know it's one where it's like yeah you don't want to keep keep the seat just warm for too long you want to heat it back up at some point you know and, and if if his off season performance puts him back in that conversation you know you, I guess the hope is you know for Michigan to to do enough to say, Hey, you know, we've always liked you. We just, uh, you know, however they handle those types of conversations, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's a guy that was, geez, he was one of the first, might've been the first interior lineman they offered in that yeah. cycle period. If I remember, I mean, it feels like he's like in that Dante Moore level where it was like two, two calendar years ago, almost uh, that they offered him. So yeah, too, a lot of connections, too many reasons that I, I feel like if Mich if when Michigan gets back in, they'll, what they want to get back into it, they'll be able to get, you know, right back into it and, and put themselves back up front if they want to. So. Right. So that one I, I sort of understand, Steve. I, I can feel what happened there, why that one kind of slowed down. I admit, I mean, sometimes, you know, recruiting or recruitments are as confusing to us as they are to some of our listeners and readers, right? And I admit to being a little confused by uh, Andrew Rappelier, the tight end commitment for, for Michigan who, as Bryce uh, was saying before we came on, visiting Michigan now, why am I confused? He just visited Penn State. And so, you know, Penn State was a school that was chasing him hard before his Michigan offer. Uh, and there was a feeling there. You know, I know they felt like, and they were, there was some push, and they were feeling like they could, they could get him. But the sentiment that I was getting, and I remember talking to Brian Doan about this man of Michigan offers, he's going to jump all over it that's the offer that he wants right and so they offer he commits uh, then we get to march and one of the schools that he committed to michigan over he goes to to visit and that one and steve as you pointed out i mean even if you look at their class they got a couple tight ends in it right two tight end verbals one guy, I think Barnwell's a guy for Penn State could maybe grow into an offensive lineman, but yeah, either way, uh, they signed two last cycle and they have two guys listed at tight end right now that are already committed in 23. So, uh, you know, I know Penn State's done pretty well at the tight end position. You know, there's always going to be maybe some appeal there, but, but yeah, as you said, Sam, he committed to Michigan over Penn State to begin with. Um, 
you know, and, and I think the other thing we would talk, we had talked about, I, I don't see this, this specific recruitment as a situation where, where the coaching change would really, you know, Jay Harbaugh shifting over to safeties, Graham Newsom coming in at tight end. I just can't see that being the reason um, for something like this, you know? So I'm, I'm with you as far as being a little confused uh, as to the timing of the, of this whole thing. Cause you know, he, he could have just, you know, it's a situation could have not committed mm-hmm. visited Penn state again, right? Like <laughs> right. could have taken yeah. these visits again and then, you know, made the decision, but uh, you know, and, and Michigan, what they've made a couple tight end offers or hosted some guys. It looks like that they're interested in, in 23, you know, and I, they always seem to be looking for two if they get the right two. So it's not as if any, any other guys are going after right now that it's a uh, replace him type right. situation, you know? So it's a, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Kind of an odd, an odd deal. Yeah. So Bryce, I, I, I tell you what I suspect. Now this is just my opinion. And I, you know, obviously like to sort of get a read from him as to whether or not this is the case, but you know, you, you commit early it, the, the attention, whether it be recruiting attention or attention from other schools, it sort of dies down a bit. So, I mean, experiencing the recruitment, I could see, that sort of playing into this some, especially when you consider it's a school that he was already, he was already connected to. So, I mean, that, that could sort of revive it in Boston college. Uh, it was another school that he was talking about visiting. That just strikes me as a, you know, enjoy, this is what I suspect. Enjoy the recruitment sort of deal. But that's not what the Penn state folks are saying. Penn state folks are saying they think they could flip him, right? Yeah, there's, there's optimism on that side of their camp, you know, where they feel like, you know, he's been there a couple of times. He just was there again. It's one of those cases where they feel like, you know, we could flip this guy. And so I think like you were saying, like Steve was saying, it's kind of perplexing, you know, cause you feel like you've done everything right in this recruitment. You offered the kid and you felt like at that point, you know, that's a big deal. You know, you have a current teammate of his on the, the roster and Cleo Mullings um, has a great relationship with Jay Harbaugh. It's not like he left. I'm not, I can't expect him to not have a good relationship with Grant Newsom because every recruiter I've talked to, you know, and I don't know his, you know, relationship with him in particular, but every other recruiter I've talked to regarding with Grant has loved Grant. So for, you know, maybe that, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And like even Steve said, you know, they've always, I feel like, wanted two. They've wanted an inline guy and they wanted a flex. And then the trifecta, the cheer on top, is this is a guy they looked at over other guys you think Michigan would have made a harder even push at, like Preston Zinner. You know, this is a guy that's on the team or he's got a brother on the team. Michigan recruited him. They offered him. But at the same time, I think they just like Andrew a little better, you know? So, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it comes out, this visit from Michigan. He's taking, you know, again, it's a two-day trip to Ann Arbor. We'll see what he says following it. He is taking unofficial to Boston College the same day as Michigan's spring game. But at the same time, you know, the main competition I'm hearing from Michigan is Penn State. So we'll see what comes out of there. But 
I don't know what much more he can really do at this point other than just tell him, remember, this was home. Remember, this is why you picked Michigan in the first place. And I think that's the selling point. That's the message they're giving to him today and tomorrow. Yeah, that's the so, thing. So Go ahead. can I real quick, because I did, I did a little digging here for a second. He committed to Michigan in January, right? Jim Harbaugh does the NFL crap at the end of January, early February. Who's the other school that seems to be involved now is Penn State. How much do you want to bet that Jim Harbaugh NFL talk has been in his ear from James Franklin and the Penn State staff? I, I just – State, you went through that. They went through that. Right, yeah. No, they've always notoriously been one of those schools that is negatively recruited, um, you know, outwardly negatively recruited almost. I just wonder, right, just taking the timing into account, if that may have been – if that's a possible – you know, so maybe when we catch up with him after this visit and be interesting to ask him, like, you know, did the NFL stuff ever come into the, you know, is that something that you, that crossed your plate or was that on your plate at all? Do you kind of have to think about that? But I'm just, just really just trying to figure out any reason why maybe there's been any shift given how quickly he did jump on that offer and commit. Right. I mean, the timing is just, it is, like I said, pretty odd, but I just wonder if that's a possibility. So. Yeah, yeah. What changed? What changed? And, and what was Michigan's response? Because you, you know that they're addressing that. You got you have to, because then it, it winds up being a thing with the rest of your your recruits, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see what he says coming out. I suspect that this is just an enjoy the recruitment sort of thing. If that's the case, then this thing will be shut down uh, fairly quickly. If it's not. Then he's talking about still going on not just the visit to Boston College, but taking more visits. Well, now you're talking about this being a full-fledged, uh, you know, battle down the stretch. You know, a, a commitment sort. I'm do, using air quotes like a soft one. If even after this visit uh, to Michigan on the heels of him visiting Penn State, he's still talking about uh, taking a, a bunch more visits uh, to, to Boston College and beyond. We'll keep you up to speed on that one uh before we get to talking about josh connerly which i i don't know about you guys it's i mean josh, uh, just the questions about this guy especially now that he has a decision date has been uh has been at an extreme and of course uh the pessimism has risen significantly as well for michigan fans so we'll address that but uh, another guy that you and both you and i saw at a camp Last week was was Nick Marsh, and the reason why I bring up that young standout receiver out of River Rouge here in the state of Michigan was the connection that he talked about to a quarterback that Michigan is courting in the 24 class, which is like, how did that connection happen? But Nick Marsh and C.J. Carr talking about going to the same school, Bryce. Yeah, so at the camp I went, it's just funny how, you know, when the one-on-ones came up, he just happened to pick C.J. Carter to be his quarterback every time. And every time he went up with C.J., he got a completion. Um, and so I asked him afterwards about, you know, that connection he has with C.J. And he just smiled with a big grin. And he just said, that's my guy. Like, this is my guy. I formed a good relationship with him. And he's like, how can you not want to play with this guy? He throws a great ball. He reads the field really well. And he's a guy that's just charismatic. Like, if you've ever talked to CJ before, he's just a guy that vibes around everyone. And people just kind of seem to, you know, get closer with, you know. And that's kind of what you want from a quarterback. And so Nick made it pretty 
clear to me too that he said, listen, I'm not saying we're a package deal, but I definitely wouldn't mind playing with CJ at the next level. And he said, here's the thing, here's the deal with that. You know, we got similar schools we're looking at. Michigan is one of them. So that has to be a good sign for Michigan. He recently was up on campus on an unofficial visit. He came up with a couple teammates and one of his coaches. Uh, and he said he was blown away. Really, really impressed. And he said one of the guys that really impressed him was Ron Bellamy. He said he just closely watched his unit, kind of how they performed during spring practice. And he said, this is a guy I could definitely see myself playing for. He's not in a rush to make any decisions. But he said, at the end of the day, Michigan's going to be there. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, that's a connection and something to look kind of in the future for and seeing if anything blossoms from it. And the thing that, that stuck out to me is normally it's the quarterback reaching out to different guys, right, to see what they're thinking. Nick said he initiated it. He reached out to CJ to kind of see, hey, you know what you th- what do you think? It just random. Just shot him a text, and CJ shot him a text back, and he said, "Man, I I want to know that there are gonna be other guys where I go, and especially you want to know about the quarterback." And so uh, that bond is building; it's growing. It certainly it, it helps Michigan, but not just Michigan. He said the, the top three schools they have in common are Michigan, Michigan State, and Notre Dame. And he said, you know, all three of those schools are are really hitting them both hard individually, separately. And, you know, now that they know that they're talking, you know, that both schools are probably going to hit both guys together. Like, hey, you can come be a star tandem here. So that'll be one to really, really watch what I was impressed by with Nick compared to when we saw him, not just during the season, but when we saw him last summer at Ferris. He seemed he seems like he's gotten a little faster, a little quicker, a little faster, like you would expect the guy to do as he continues to to grow and get in the right in the weight room and train. Uh, you can see that with with Nick. Never been a burner, probably never gonna be a burner, uh, but you know, catch radius, high point in the ball, the the length and physicality, and then you add a little speed, a little more speed to it as well really living up to that billing as a top-flight guy who fancies you know, every kid that's 6'3 or above calls himself Megatron these days. Uh, <laughs> this is a dude, stature-wise, maybe not long speed-wise, but stature-wise and contested catch-wise on the high school level, I think can, uh, can make that comparison proud. Uh, but guys, and Steve, I'll start with you on this one, the Josh Connerly recruitment. I got a chance to catch up with Brandon Huffman recently. No one is covered is covering or has covered that recruitment closer than Brandon. Conspicuous in his absence uh, with a crystal ball, he still hasn't put in a crystal ball on that young man. And so I wanted to get a feel for how that one is is trending because make no mistake, last fall that one was trending very much in Michigan's favor. He had taken a couple of visits, right? Was talking about taking a third visit. The first visit, he was it was an unofficial, paid his own way. Comes back for an official against Washington, and they run it down the throats of Washington in that game, barely throwing the football. I mean, you talk about trend lines and the connection with Jerome Moore, Joe Moore Award, just so much going for Michigan. But time is the friend of the competition, and by allowing this to spread out. All of those coaching changes 
ironically, may be helping those schools that are chasing him now. And it feels like the momentum in that recruitment is out west at this point, Steve. Yeah, I'm thinking, I mean, the impression I've gotten, at least as things are this moment, like I think if he was picking right this second, I don't know if Michigan would be the choice. Worse yet is that he still hasn't taken his official to USC, right? I mean, I think that's is this, that weekend. this weekend, I that's believe, this weekend. right? So, um, you know, I think a lot of things that were working in Michigan's favor, I do. I, I think a lot of out of sight, out of mind kind of comes to, to the forefront of my mind in, in this recruitment. You know, it's it'll have been six months since he's been here, uh, you know, for that Washington game. I know Michigan really tried to get him back out. Uh, not that easy to do, though. Um, really, I think you know, is he the only like major 2022 recruit that hasn't made it there? I mean, there, I know there's always a couple each cycle, but either way, I mean, if any, if any, there's like a handful at most, right. Um, him stretching things out past the second signing day, I think was a worst case scenario yeah, for Michigan, right. Yeah, Let's Lincoln Riley and USC continue to, you know, you get Oregon and USC both have totally new coaching staffs uh, with a lot of excitement, especially in LA with USC we know how that could, that new coach smell kind of deal can can really kind of change the trajectory trajectory of some recruitment. So this is one where, yeah, I mean, what more can Michigan you know offer at this point? We, we the accolades up front of the offensive line, they're going to get guys drafted again. Um, they have guys succeeding on the offensive line in the NFL. They like even yeah like you, like you said Sam, even the way they played the game that he watched it was like what offensive lineman would not want to play for Michigan after watching, you know, that performance. So, you know, a lot of things that were working in Michigan's favor and, and had them, yeah, definitely in the lead for probably a pretty long stretch of, of the recruitment, really. Um, just those sentiments have maybe not faded fully or anything, but maybe faded enough to where these, the, uh, the shiny toy, you know, s- these schools out West that are, you know, with the new shiny toys and stuff have, have really, uh, kind of made their move and, and made it a lot more difficult for Michigan to kind of keep that stuff fresh with him. So, so Bryce, he, so here's the thing, and and you'll hear this from Brandon. Look, he doesn't think Michigan's out. He he still think Michigan has a shot to get him, but definitely feels like the momentum is swung to the West Coast. But one of the reasons why he feels like Michigan has a shot, and this is what I think is their best selling point at this point is his relationship with Sharon Moore. He has stated that that is the coach, the position coach, now the offensive coordinator, that he is closest to in this process. Began be, began building that relationship before Courtney Morgan got there. It got enhanced, uh, enhanced over time with him coming to take visits and see Sharon actually coach and, they actually went out, made their way out to Seattle. That satellite camp, remember that? I, I heard from his dad after they had the in-home, and he said, man, it was fantastic. It was a great in-home. You look at the teams that I think, well, the one team I think is clearly trending is USC, and, and Brandon basically confirmed as much as you'll hear. But their offensive line coach is not a dude who, who you know, Josh has been vibing with forever, like Sharon. That dude didn't even offer him when he was at a He didn't even offer him. I mean, he didn't get on him until he got to SC, right? 
So uh, then you look at you look at Oregon, and while Adrian Clem, who big time offensive line coach, outstanding personality, uh, you know, toe to toe when it comes to making con- connections, I'm sure as as a personality goes, I mean he's in no shortage of that compared to to Sharon, and I'll obviously take Sharon against anyone, but it's not like you know you put him in a room and say who's the best rela- better relationship builder and there's this decided advantage over Clem. He's good. He's good and he's he was just the offensive line coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a a good you know chip or a feather in your cap. But he just got there. Like you know this relationship is new. Whereas with Sharon it's been over time. So what gives Michigan its best chance? Why are they still in it? Why do they still have a shot? In addition to, yes, they look good on the field. They had He was at a great game, and they recruited him for a long time. Sharon Moore. He is what gives them a chance. He is why they still have a, a, a puncher's shot in this whole thing. But, you know, do I feel like it's a seven-worthy uh, crystal ball? Do I Am I going to lower my confidence level, uh, you know, significantly on it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to lower it. I'm uh, really going to be interested to see what he says after this SC, vi- this, uh, SC visit. You know, that's that's the thing for me is, you know, Oregon, Washington, USC, and they all have the new shiny, you know, car smell and all that. Everything looks great and everything, you know, they're all going to go undefeated, you know, brand new coaching staff. But like you said, the biggest thing I think Michigan has going in their direction, in their favor is Sharon Moore and that relationship, which extends back for over a year. This is a guy that he's, you know, built a great relationship with, not only him, but his family. You know, he's been in home. He's been to Washington for a camp, like you said. Um, and he's, you know, the biggest thing, like Steve said, he's seen results in person and on TV. And you can't really ask for much more than that, you know, in my opinion. So, He's done a great job. And every time, you know, I hate to not go doom and gloom. So let's look at the positive. But one of the biggest things I remember from your interview with Courtney Morgan was he said, we got to get these out of region kids. How many times on campus? At least twice. Yeah. And how many times do they get? They got Josh Kiley twice. So you have a shot, right? It's not like he was not like he came up for a one time trip. You know, hit up the deuces like Tyreek Hill and was out. <laughs> this this guy's been here a couple times. You know what I'm saying? So he's seen Michigan. You know, he's seen a game. He's camped. You know, he's done the whole barbecue thing. He's He's been here before on two different types of settings. I think that's very important. Get that campus feel in life, but get the game day feel atmosphere as well. So at this point, you can only pray and hope that everything you've shown and seen and those prior long-standing relationships pay off in the end. And ultimately, I think a biggest thing for Michigan is distance. I think if he can, you know, tell himself, listen, if I go to Michigan, it might be further away, but I'm going to get to the league. Sharon Moore has shown the ability to get guys to league, proven track record. He knows how to coach the position. And like you said, the other thing to know from that, he got a promotion, but at the same time, he's still an offensive line coach. I think that's key as well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see, man. And, you know, I, I think about 
getting away from home. I, as I've gone, as he's gone through the process, I, I do think getting away from home is a thing. But, you know, you could get away from home and still be on the West Coast, right? You get away from home and be be at Oregon and your family could still drive. You could be at, away from home and be at SC and it's a quicker plane ride than it would be to get to Michigan. So, you know, you understand why the feeling is the momentum is out west. But, you know, look, those those teams have some things to – some hurdles to clear themselves down the stretch. And that is very clear in talking to, to Brandon. If B had a, a crystal ball in – and I, I know this about Brandon. Like, if he if he had a good feeling for where the kid was going to go, he'd have a – he likes to get crystal balls in early. If he had a good feeling for where he was going to go, he'd drop it. So – you know, that means there's an opportunity. There's there's a chance that this could still go a few different ways, but SC definitely in the best position to to close this out uh, in their favor. We'll see how it goes, though. Uh, but stay tuned. We'll take this pause. When we come back on the other side, we'll chat with Brandon Huffman, get the latest in the recruitment of Josh Connerly Jr., five-star offensive lineman out of Seattle Rainier Beach, set to announce his decision on April 8th, but taking his final official visit to USC this weekend. So check it out on the other side here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And pleased to be joined by one of my oldest friends in the game and one of the best guys in the game when it comes to expertise and just a genuinely good dude. That's why I love him. I think that's why recruits love him as well. Talking about my guy, Brandon Huffman. B, how you doing? I'm living the dream, Sam. Things are good. It is a busy time of year, and I'm not bored. So all good things are happening right now. Yeah. How could you be bored covering Joshua Connerly? I got to stop calling him Josh because senior calls him Joshua. So how can you <laughs> how can you be bored? Could you be bored covering that kid? A pretty long recruitment with some of the heaviest hitters in the country chasing after him for well over a year. I mean, this is coming a year after I dealt with JT2 and Molo's recruitment going all the way till the 4th of July. So there must be something in the water up in the Seattle area with recruits, high-level recruits wanting to drag this past the normal signing period and keeping me busy when I'm trying to move on to the next class. I'm still covering official visits in home, well, no more in home visits, but official visits and the announcement date for one Mr. Joshua Connerly. Right. So we we've known or we knew uh, even heading into the All American game that this recruitment was going to go past signing day. That gave. 
room and time for all of the programs. This is the interesting interesting thing about his recruitment. You know, the most of the programs chasing him had major coaching overhaul, coaching changes, right, that really affected his recruitment. Has that changed your outlook on his recruitment? At one point, you thought Michigan was uh, in the driver or at least in the lead. Has that changed since he, his recruitment sort of kind of shifted gears with all the coaching changes? Yeah, I think had there been no coaching changes at all, had all five of those schools, or I guess all six of those schools in his top six, where five of them had coaching changes, I think he would have already had a decision. He wouldn't have enrolled early because he was still planning to play basketball, but I think he would have truly had a decision to make, and it would have been done months ago. But not only do you have head coaching changes, but then you have position coaching changes. And so it's building that rapport with schools. And maybe you liked the guy before, but you didn't necessarily like the school he was at. Or maybe you like the school, but you didn't necessarily like the guys who were at that school. Now new faces come in, new relationships are built, and you're giving them a fair shot. And I think, you know, honestly, I think Michigan's biggest problem that they've had in here is that they were in such a good position back in the spring, back in the summer, back in September when he took a visit, that by him not having a decision to make and to take those visits, every it allowed for everything to kind of open up with new schools, new new faces getting involved and now here they sit they're the school that had the furthest i think his official visit there was was six months ago you know over a half a year ago and interestingly enough they're the only school that didn't have a head coaching change but yet they may seem to be you know distantly far back just because of the visit being so now i don't think that they're eliminated i don't think that they're running six but they had their best chance to impress him so long ago that it all time you know, sometimes it comes out of sight out of mind mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he speaks so glowingly of his relationship. I know they like Jim Harbaugh, but he speaks so glowingly of his relationship with Sharon Moore. At one point, he said that was the coach, position coach or otherwise, that he felt the closest to. Now, the the thing with all of these coaching changes is, I mean, you know, you got coaches at SC that he was familiar with from Oklahoma, right? Coaches at Miami that he was familiar with from from Oregon, coaches at Washington, some that he was familiar. I know he's familiar with Courtney from from Michigan. So there's familiarity there with a lot of coaches, and yet he said he felt really, really close to Sharon Moore. Do you think that that's still a major factor playing in Michigan's favor? I do, and I think that that's the one thing that's kept them in this for as long as they have given the circumstances of having the furthest official visit away uh, from a a timing standpoint, um, you know, obviously the the stability there certainly helps. And, and, you know, when he uh, had his in-home visit with Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore in January, that's when the news started to percolate that Jim Harbaugh was going to interview with the Vikings. So they were able to have Harbaugh sit in their living room and kind of, you know, discuss that point while he was sitting there with them. So that relationship has kept Michigan in it as long as they have, largely because he's got such a great rapport with Sharon Moore. They, the, the fact that Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore um, flew out last June, right at the end of the, the official visit season in June, they flew out and were at part of the PLU showcase where Josh worked out at it. And it was, I think it was one of the only schools and certainly the only school in its final six that had both the head coach and the offensive line coach there at that camp. So that showed where he was as a priority, but he's always had a great bond 
with Moore. He's always had a great rapport with him. And I think that's why Michigan has lasted as long as they have. There might be some schools in his top six that I think are, you know, probably not really in the top three or four. But I don't think Michigan's in that position where they're out. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me give you the, the vibe in class circles, sort of, you know, Michigan recruiting circles. I think the team, the program that they fear the most in this equation when it comes to unseating them and realizing that there are more than one that could, but the one they fear the most is USC. Do you think that that, is, that concern is, is well-placed? Do you think, especially with the last official visit, that SC might be in a unique position to close the strongest here? I, I do, but I also see, think that you know Michigan staff, Michigan fans, Michigan people need to give Oregon a little bit more credit here in this recruitment as well. But I do think that SC is the team that everybody's watching, but certainly that Michigan needs to watch because with SC, he took numerous unofficial visits there. In fact, when I was flying back from the opening uh, finals, you know he was just down in LA visiting family. Didn't visit SC, but he was down there visiting family because. He's got family in Los Angeles. He was on my flight home, and he he was down there for a basketball tournament, but also visiting family. And that's another trump card that USC has that really only Washington had in his recruitment was familiar faces of family. And so he took a couple of unofficial visits to USC in the spring, took another one in September, went down for a game. Then he takes his official visit this coming weekend. USC is far enough away from home, yet still on the West Coast. He was being recruited by Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma was in his top group pretty much since the time that they offered him. Uh, the, the difference there is Bill Bedenbaugh didn't come with Lincoln Riley to USC. He stayed at Oklahoma. So Josh Henson is now running point there. But that was more of a Lincoln Riley recruitment uh, than I would say Bill Bedenbaugh. And that's why USC is in it. So Riley has made him a, you know, a priority. He's got the family in Los Angeles, it's only a two-hour flight from home. Um, you know, USC seems to be on the come up with their coaching change. So the Trojans kind of have a lot of things in their favor logistically, kind of long-term wise, and in a coach that had been recruiting him. The variable there that might be hurting USC is Josh Henson, despite signing a an offensive lineman from Seattle in Mark Naboo, Never offered Josh Connerly. He offered four linemen from the state of Texas, from the state of Washington, I should say, in the twenty-two or the twenty-three, twenty-four classes and twenty-two classes, and not one of them was Josh Connerly. So, you know, does that mean make a difference that Josh Henson didn't recruit him in A and M, but is now recruiting him at SC, or does Lincoln Riley trump that? So, there's some things working in SC's favor, but also some things that SC is going to have to settle this weekend when they get that last shot at him. So you mentioned Oregon as a team that is really uh, a big time threat, and you know when when Mario there, when Mario Cristobal and that squad, they they were certainly recruiting Josh, right? And uh, they're recruiting Josh at Miami now. But I just got the feeling that the the connections with with the staffs at other schools, not just Michigan, but that the connections with the staffs. We're stronger. Do you think since Dan Lanning has taken over that that dynamic is, is, has changed, that they have maybe, if there was a gap, that they bridged that gap as far as staff connection-wise with, with Josh and, and his family? I do, and I think a lot of that's because of Adrian Clem, the new offensive line coach at Oregon, who has developed a number of players from his time at UCLA uh, and at SMU before that, then has been in the NFL the last few years, uh, coaching with the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
One of his offensive linemen is Zach Banner, who's a Washington native as well, that Josh knows. So there's a lot of things in Oregon's favor. Now, Mario Cristobal did build a great relationship with him. Josh went down for the Civil War, which turned out to be the last home game that Mario Cristobal ever coached, uh, which was Thanksgiving weekend when he went out for the Oregon-Oregon State game. A weekend that he was considering going out to Michigan for an unofficial. He instead went down to Eugene. The coaching staff change happens. There, you go from an offensive line head coach to a defensive coordinator as the head coach. So you think Oregon's lagging, but Adrian Clem was able to convince him. See, one thing people don't necessarily know, I talked to Josh on New Year's Eve when he announced that he was going to name his top five on New Year's Day. I had five quotes from five different schools about a top five, and Oregon wasn't in it. Within a day, I get a text from him saying, I'm going to wait until Monday, which was a check-in day at our, our All-American Bowl, and it was a top six and included Oregon. So Oregon wasn't even in the top five. Then they were in the top six. Do they have enough to be a team that was going to be eliminated on December 31st to now be the school that lands him? Well, one thing Oregon does have in their favor is that it is kind of a healthy meeting between Washington and USC. It's drivable from his family, four-hour drive from his family in Seattle. It's a program that you know has had success. They had a top 10 offensive tackle pick the year ago. So they have some things working in their favor. But again, you go from six to being from, from six to one in that quick a time. That I don't know. And that's where I think Oregon has made a big jump. But have they made a big enough jump? That's the key for Oregon. And if their chances are good, if their chances are great, or if their chances are long, I think Oregon's made up a lot of ground, but I don't know if they've made up enough ground to overtake schools that have been much more longstanding because of those coaching relationships. Yeah. So look, I'm not asking you uh, to, I I want your opinion you know, I don't know if you've asked him this question, but when he gets ready to pick a school, I mean, what do you think are going to be the biggest factors that swing him one way versus the others? I think a lot of it's going to be playing time. I think that's going to be the, the biggest thing is, you know, how soon can he get on the field? I don't think Josh is going in with the mentality that I have to start from day one, like maybe other positions do. You know, obviously off at the tackle is a position where you kind of need to have the strength to really hold down that position. And, you know, when you look at a guy like a Panay Sewell, who started as a true freshman a few years ago, he already had the body size that was going to allow him to be an immediate starter. With Josh, he's been playing basketball. He's always kind of stayed in that 265 to 280, 285 range, which is good. It's allowed him to stay athletic, stay light on his feet. But is that big enough to withstand defensive ends and edge rushers that are two or three years older that maybe the same weight but even faster, or does it need to bulk up? So I think he you know, probably would need it, especially that he wasn't an early enrollee. He's going to need some time to get bigger. So – I don't know that he necessarily needs to play in 2022 as a starter, but he wants to be in the rotation. And then by 2023, I think the expectation is he's ready to start. But that's going to be a factor. I think NIL is going to always be a factor, but I don't think it's going to be as great for offensive linemen as it is for quarterbacks, as it is for other guys. I, I think you know Josh has never really looked at NIL as being a big deal, despite what everybody else keeps the team trying to report, because that's the thing. When a guy waits it out, Everybody just assumes the worst, and everybody assumes, well, he's looking for this, he's looking for that. If, if you know Josh and you know his family, NIL is something that, like, everybody who's signing in college, they're thinking of, but it's not been at the forefront. Like, it is maybe for guys that are transfers. Maybe it is for guys that are playing the quarterback position. I think his is more, where can I get developed for the next level? Which coach can do the best job of developing me for the next level? And how soon can I get on that field to get that development angle really under my belt? 
All right. So, uh, I mean, do you how do you think that he's leaning strongly in any in any direction at this point, or do you think he's still he's still torn as he le- heads into his final visit? Well, you know me, Sam. I, I like to put in crystal balls if I feel good about something. Even with like the recruitment of JT Tumalo out, I put in a crystal ball a year and a half before he made a decision. Didn't have the highest confidence level, but I have never put one in for Josh. And I literally been covering this guy since before he played a high school football game as a freshman. That should t- show you where I think this recruitment is. In other words, I don't know. It really could go one of any direction. At no point have I felt prompted or necessarily ready to put in a crystal ball because I truly do feel like this is still wide open. I don't think there's six schools. I think that there's probably three or four schools, but he hasn't eliminated anybody. So I think I'll have a better idea of what he's going to do after I talk to him after his official visit to USC. You can tell a lot by a person by their conversation with them and, and the tone in which they talk and how detailed they get into it. I think I'll have a better idea where he's going, or at least a feel for where I think he's going in about a week from now. But right now, I still think kind of, you know, everybody still has somewhat of a shot. Gotcha. All right, got to ask you about a couple of guys in your neck of the woods before we let you go. Be right there in the state of Washington, two guys that Michigan has been chasing for a little while now. One of uh, Josh's teammates at Rainier Beach, Caleb Presley, and then uh, Jaden Lamar from Lake Stevens. How do you think Michigan sits with those two guys? I think Jaden Lamar, he's got Michigan probably on his very, very, very short list. I anticipate he'll name a top 12, top 10 sometime in the next couple of days. Uh, But I think Michigan's going to be in that all the way till the very end. Um, I think Notre Dame is very much a factor there. I think that there's a couple of Pac-12 schools that could be in play, but I don't see Jalen Lamar necessarily staying on the West Coast. And I think Michigan has done a good job recruiting him. He likes Mike Hart a lot. I think that's been a big factor for Michigan. With Caleb Presley, you know, he really likes the Southern schools. He enjoyed his time down last year when he went down to Alabama and to Georgia. He's getting out to LSU next month. I think LSU could be kind of a wild card there, as he's called them, BBU. It's his favorite college uh, defensive backfield growing up the last years has been at LSU. Uh, but again, much like Josh uh, Josh Connerly, I think that Caleb Presley's got a number of schools that have to feel good about him. I don't necessarily see it being like a small top three, top four from his top 12, I think there's probably about top seven or eight schools right there. And I think Michigan is obviously involved there. I know he visited in September. Um, they've done a good job of staying in it with him. But can they stay in it long term, especially with a lot of these schools in the southeast that have had a really good track record of DBs in recent years? Yeah, another kid out that way that Michigan has been chasing. I just haven't really heard about them being necessarily very high on his list. One of the top tight ends in the country. Riley Williams, what's up with Riley's recruitment? You know, Riley is another kid that I think that, you know, if there's a possibility that he could end up outside of the West Coast, I would probably feel much better about saying that than he's going to stay on the West Coast, even though he has ties to Oregon. His brother had played there. He's from Oregon. We've seen in the last couple of years, I mean, shoot, you know, the, the number one player in the state of Oregon in the 2022 class is now there in Ann Arbor right now in Darius Clements. So yep. there's always the possibility that, that, you know, Riley Williams does stay close to home, but uh, again, Drew Maringer, the tight ends coach is kind of new. He's trying to build a relationship with him. They have the home field advantage, but I look at Riley Williams as a guy that I think is going to go national. I know 
uh, Jay Harbaugh was there to see him in January. I think Miami, obviously, the relationship he had with Mario Cristobal is one that Miami is going to be in there as well. But I, I think Riley Williams, if I had to make a guess right now, I think it'd be 50-50 if he stays on the West Coast or if he goes national. Gotcha. All right, B, as always, a wealth of information and perspective. Hey, you'll be able to take a vacation in, uh looks like, about maybe a, a week or so, a couple weeks or so once, uh, once Josh makes his decision. Maybe you'll be able to get out on a beach somewhere. I hope so, man. Last year, at least, I always had the opportunity to look to summer vacation, but right now it seems so far off in the distance. <laughs> All right, B-Man, thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate it. Anytime, Sam. Uh, and then, of course, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcasts. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, whatever platform is their flavor. They can find the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Just search Michigan Insider Podcasts, and up it will come. And thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.